their paths crossed like two hot wires. We are just about the friendliest folks you would ever want to meet. That's Bonnie. I'm sorry, I was looking for Maude. Everyone has the right to make an ass out of themselves. You can't let the world judge you too much. That woman, she took my car. This is Bonnie and Maude, the film podcast, with Xenia Yarosh and Eleanor Kagan. Hey, we're here. This is Bonnie and Maude. I'm Eleanor. And I'm Ksenia. And the second season of the TV show Girls just wrapped up. So we thought we'd take some time and post-mortem it, talk about what we loved, what we didn't love. How our views changed since our first episode where we talked about season one of Girls. Mm -hmm. And we also talked about Tiny Furniture, which is the film that Lena Dunham wrote, directed, and starred in. Um, Also, later in the show, we have a wonderful guest joining us. Uh, Chris J. Kelly has been recapping girls for Queerty.com, and he's paid a lot of attention to the emotional aging or regression of all the characters on the show. So we'll hear from him a little bit later. So um, a year ago, we talked about girls the first season, and since then, I've had nightmares and dreams about Lena Dunham. (laughs) The dream was that I met her, and she had listened to the episode, and I was so embarrassed, and I mean, I still believed what I said, but there was a part of me that felt really guilty about being negative about the show and not supporting it and being really critical. And then there was uh, another dream that I had more recently after I watched the fifth episode of the second season where we had met and it was um, more friendly and I was really excited to talk to her. Those first five episodes of the second season really affected me and the fifth one especially. Like it wasn't the nightmare that I had previously. (laughs) Right, because when we talked about Girls last time, you didn't really like it that much. You felt very ambivalent about it. Yes. And part of it, I think, was the buildup. Like, there was so much talk about girls being the thing. Like, the Mm -hmm. thing that speaks for young women and... The voice of our generation. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't think anyone knew what was coming. And so there was a lot of criticism because different people had different ideas. And certainly, one show could not fulfill all of that. Right. And that is a crazy thing to expect out of a television show. Um, which is one of the reasons I think people get so angry about girls is because they do expect that it's going to completely encapsulate this exact point in time and generation. And then when it fails to do so, because these are mere mortals working on a 25 minute weekly piece of cinema. Comedy. A comedy. Well, uh, yeah, it's definitely a comedy, but it can, yeah, as I mean, we'll, there, there's as we'll talk about but we'll talk about it, I'm sure. To be fair, I, I rewatched the first episode of the first season. And you know what? I still think it sucks. <laughs> Especially compared um, to the second season. There was a moment after each joke so we could really enjoy it and like hear it. Which I think is really precious and silly and doesn't make for very good viewing. Um, Can you think of an example? Even from the beginning when Hannah is having dinner with her parents, all her responses, you know, she's kind of sarcastic. Even the voice of my generation, which is like the line from that pilot episode, it's it's silly, but I think it suffers from the fact that it's slow, that like it takes a beat, like enjoy this joke. And so I didn't I didn't find 
the first season very funny. Mm-hmm. Whereas the second season, I found myself laughing so much. I definitely think that Lena Dunham and her crew of writers have gotten a lot stronger. I mean, she's always been a great writer. Um, you know, so much of Tiny Furniture, even though I think a lot of it, I think a fair amount of it was improvised. Um, but even some of the lines in Tiny Furniture are great. And I think it just has to do with the way that her mind works. Mm-hmm. The things, the details that she hones in on are just hilarious to me. Her writing has become a lot stronger and she's really understanding the characters' voices. And because yes. of that, she's able to script them so hilariously. But yeah, this ep- this season has been so funny. And even going mm. back and watching the second season through again, there are more lines that jumped out at me that um, I had forgotten about or I didn't notice the first time well, because there's so much to take in. There's like a million things happening at that's once. Ex- yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying is like it's it's quick. And so there are a million jokes all at once. And so you like you get to enjoy it more versus like kind of slow, like funny moment, meaningful moment, pause joke yeah so it doesn't frame its jokes and like really point them out and so I think everything is a lot more enjoyable well the quality of of comedy writing on girls is very different from the type of comedy writing on say the office where it's like setups and Mm punchlines and it's not always so much about physical humor either although there is a lot of physical awkwardness and Mm -hmm. not fitting in and feeling uncomfortable in your clothes or in a certain environment. That actually reminds me about one of my favorite lines that I wanted to mention. And it's the shirt. It's the third episode where she and Elijah do a bunch of coke and go out dancing. And she ends up trading her shirt with this guy in the club. That's this like see-through yellow mesh shirt. And then her and Elijah continue their coke binge by visiting Marnie at Booth Jonathan's house. And Marnie goes, what are you wearing? Oh, a shirt. You are being very rude right now. Well, you know what? Maybe I don't care about being polite, okay? Because it's a Wednesday night, baby, and I'm alive. I don't really enjoy movies or shows that um, have a comedic drug binge sort of plot line. (laughs) But I really like that episode. It felt, I mean, I I don't have experience with cocaine, but it felt realistic and, like, fun in a way that wasn't, flaunting drug use Mm -hmm. if that makes sense well there's been two amazing drug episodes i mean there's the one where shosh does crack which is hilarious that's actually probably my favorite episode from last season but it mostly just makes me want to go dancing not necessarily do cocaine you mean you wouldn't go like trade your shirt with somebody (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that also that also looked really fun and you know there i feel like part of the controversy about girls is about Lena Dunham's body and how much she exposes herself and like does she use her body to attract attention towards the show I like I don't even know I don't know there are so many issues that people bring up and I felt like in that episode even though we could see her breasts for the majority of it because she was wearing this transparent shirt it wasn't about sexuality or like trying to um be controversial it was just like this is what I'm doing this is fun like like it doesn't matter you know so much of the conversation around girls has been focused on Lena Dunham's body that I was I really like don't want to fall into that in this conversation there's a way that we can address her nudity in the show without you know falling into the 
Alessandra Staley hole of mm. either on one hand calling her like whatever horrible names um she's either glorified right like or i was gonna say or she's like so brave because both of those suck basically mm-hmm. alessandra staley is the uh, tv critic for the times and mm-hmm. her review of the season finale came out my friend actually highlighted even on the first page of it how much of her review was dedicated to um uh, lena's body and it was like three-fourths and i just Wish that could stop being part of the conversation. That said, like, I don't know. It looks kind of fun. I feel like she's having fun. Like, she's allowed to be naked on television. And we'll Um, keep watching. (laughs) So during the first season, I was uncomfortable with the nudity. And I didn't know what all the displays of sex really meant. Like, were they supposed to be funny? Were they saying anything? But during the second season, I really feel like the display of sexuality, there's actually a montage of different scenes in the finale where we see each character have sex. Mm -hmm. And like, I realize that it's how their personalities and their decisions in life are illustrated. Like in this intimate act, there's really no other way to show some of those things about them without showing them having sex Mm -hmm. so it is important and i think it's great that they have those scenes in this show i mean i think the sex in the show feels very purposeful um like you said i mean i agree with you it's very telling of who each character is and what stage they are in their life um in the second to last episode in season two there's that really dark scene where adam falls off the wagon and gets drunk because you know he's an alcoholic and he has this sort of dominant submissive moment with her where he asks her to and tells her really um to you know crawl across the floor and then he you know comes on her chest and you know it felt slightly assaulty that's sort of showing the type of sex that he and hannah used to have but at its worst but it's also i I think the reason it feels assaulty is because of natalia's character because that is not something that she's enjoying remotely, mm-hmm. whereas Hannah might have been in the same scene and, like, enjoyed it. Right, but so it, it's, yeah. I think in this case, though, it's showing Adam at his lowest point. Mm-hmm. Because he's, like, forcing this on a person who is not, who, like, wants tenderness and mm-hmm. not aggression. Although I did really appreciate the way that she was so vocal during the couple times that we see them having sex. You know, she says, don't call me a whore. She says, do this, do that. And he likes how direct she he is with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really interesting. The whole theme of the second season was exploring who you are through your relationships. And I appreciated that um, Natalia, for one, was not like the evil other to Hannah because Adam wanted to be with Hannah ultimately. You know, Natalia wasn't the bitchy other woman. She was just different. And he was trying to figure out how he felt being with someone like that. And if that is something he felt comfortable and happy with. And Hannah also kisses a million people in this season. And I feel like she's figuring things out through kisses and like through the people she's experimenting with sexually and emotionally. What do you think she figures out, though? I mean, the fact that she, I guess, at the end ends up with Adam means that she needs someone who is protective Mm 
almost to the point of aggression with her. But I kind of like the journey that she goes through beforehand. Like, I think the um, Patrick Wilson episode is a total highlight for me just Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's this one episode where she spends several days in this 40-something-year-old man's house who is um, a doctor, is a grown-up, divorced, and she gets a tiny glimpse into what it's like to be in a, I guess, adult relationship, more traditional relationship. And, like, as much as that appeals to her, it doesn't suit her. I love that episode. I think that episode is a huge turning point in the season. Um, So uh, we start off season two, um, and Hannah, in the first episode, she's living with Elijah. She is surrounded by her friends, her ex-lovers. She's feeling great. Um, They're having a party. She loves entertaining. In the words of Shoshana, This place looks amazing. Um, seriously though, I like really think that the best years of your life are like totally gonna happen here. Happening. And then she ends season two like utterly alone and broken and just lacking in ambition. She's finally given this chance to actually make a living as a writer by writing an ebook for the fabulous John Cameron Mitchell. But yeah, she she sort of seems to like wither and just die. I mean, she loses everything that seems to be driving her. And I think that big shift happens while she's in this strange man's apartment. You know, Mm. she has that moment on uh, the bed with him where she breaks down and says all she really wants is to be happy. And she's been just trying to, you know, gather experiences because she thinks that's like how she's supposed to go through life. But really all she wants is to be happy. And it seems like the moment that she leaves his apartment, the veil has been lifted and she just sort of descends into this darkness where she realizes that, I don't know. What does she realize? I'm trying to figure that out. Like that life is hard, Mm -hmm. um, that you don't always get what you want, that someone's not always there to clean up the glass for you. I mean... I feel like everything comes to a head in the season finale, obviously, Mm -hmm. when she has no one to call, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. That was just, it was such an interesting shift. I mean, that episode was so different tonally from anything else we've seen so far, as bottle episodes usually are, at least done well. Mm -hmm. I think she would have still gone downhill, even if she hadn't encountered him. The book was just becoming too much for her, and she just doesn't seem to have the kind of like I don't know if work ethic is the term but like motivation something to like get things done quickly and efficiently have you ever read Watchmen yeah do you know how the middle chapter of Watchmen fearful symmetry is the episode about Rorschach and you sort of get his whole history and you know what his deal is you Mm kind of like find out who he is um So it's the middle chapter of the book, and uh, the entire chapter is told symmetrically, you know, like a Rorschach print. And from then on, and it it like fundamentally changes the story of Watchmen, and then everything sort of unravels from there. I felt that this season also kind of had that, um, because in episode two, um, felt like one half of the Rorschach to the season finale, because in, in the second episode, you have... Adam showing up at her apartment, Mm -hmm. you know, unannounced. 
he has keys, but he is unwanted and she freaks out and calls 911 and gets him arrested. There's even a moment where she like, this is the episode where she's breaking up with Sandy, mm-hmm. remember? At one point she like has something in her ear and, you know, is like messing with it which is echoed later when she sticks the Q-tip in there. And there's even a moment where she's sitting on her bed watching a YouTube video of a girl cutting her own bangs, and she's about to cut her own bangs when she gets a phone call. And, like, I know maybe these are not... These are just tiny signifiers, but I think emotionally, too, the second episode, she is full of life and full of friends, but she still has glimmers of these problems. And then in the finale, she's empty, and her problems are the through line. I don't know. Wow. I just, I was just reminded that of Watchmen when watching that. <laughs> that is a beautiful revelation. Well, thank you. <laughs> Adam showing up at her apartment at the end of the season versus the beginning of the season shows how thin that line is between romantic mm. and crazy and well, stalker. Sure. Okay. This is a moment that I really loved in the second season and that made a huge difference for me in terms of enjoyment. She, so Adam shows up and... She tells him, basically, I don't want to be with you, leave. And that felt so incredible for me after the previous season being like really wishy-washy and I don't know, no one seemed to make any decisions. They were just floating and like maybe it was just an introduction to the characters. But because she establishes herself and her decisions in the second season, I wanted to see what was going to happen next. And I think the difference between um, their relationship in the first season versus the finale of the second is that even though she's falling apart, she wants to be with him. If I remember correctly, one of the things or one of the elements of the show that you weren't so hot on last time we chatted were the male characters. Did that change for you at all this season? The boys episode. Where... Uh, Ray and Adam go to Staten Island to yes. return the dog? Yes. It definitely won me over in terms of the male characters. I mean, we had started seeing glimpses of the complexity of Adam before that. He's still, like, very rough, and there's, like, a certain... I don't I don't know if animalism is the term for it, but he just, like, says exactly what he's thinking mm-hmm. always, and, like, he's very physical there's definitely a lot of aggression but there is a lot of depth to him there was a little bit of a glimmer in that in the finale of the last season where they're at the wedding and he's so touched by this union that's happening in front of him I think he actually starts crying and Mm -hmm. Hannah is completely disoriented Ray is also an interesting combination of like righteous and I guess, like, a righteous loser, sort of. (laughs) I gotta say, um, the scene between him and Shoshana in the subway station where they're telling each other that they love, that they're falling in love with each other is one of the best scenes of any show that I've seen all year. That coupled with their breakup scene, I think it's both, like, the chemistry between the actors, the quality of the writing, but just everything about those two scenes, even compared side to side, were amazing. Mm-hmm. The show has learned how to work with less. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, I I know I keep comparing it, but like previously, I really felt like 
each episode would be kind of incomplete. I, I think I said last time we recorded, like, half an hour just doesn't feel like enough. Like, they're cramming too much story. Yeah. And now, like, we don't even see Shoshana and Ray all that much, but, like, the couple moments that we see them, the the love conversation at a party later, and then the breakup, like... I think it totally gets across what their relationship is. We don't need to see anymore. I guess the I guess the question that we're trying to answer here is why is this show worthwhile? And why is it so controversial? I mean, I think we've answered why it's so controversial, but what do you think? Uh, it seems reductive to say that the show is important because it's written by a young woman. But it is. I mean, I think it absolutely is because there aren't really that many shows that are where the showrunner is a a woman, let alone a young woman. And it really illustrates friendship in a way I hadn't seen before. Not in a touchy-feely way, like worshipful, um, but also... There is a lot of meaning to it. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back to a scene where uh, Marnie and Hannah are talking on the phone, and, um, and neither of them is doing very well. One just went through a breakup. The other one is falling apart because she can't finish this book. Like, she feels totally unproductive. And they're both crumbling in different ways, and they're not saying that to each other. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Everything's going so well. Where are you now? Oh, we're just in, um, we're in Booth's garden. We're watching fireflies. Nice. Are you getting a lot done? Oh yeah, tons. I'm excited. Um. Talk soon, or? course okay love you bye love you bye like the intimacy has been compromised because they can't even call each other out on the fact that they're not being truthful yeah and I just don't know that many men could illustrate a scene like that I think Lena Dunham has a very astute sense of observation um, and is able to take moments that feel very true to life um, for some people and to present them in a way that is both high concept but in many ways relatable and if not relatable enjoyable to watch and I think that's where a lot of the strength of the show lies is in just her worldview I mean and I know that that's been a problem for a lot of people both tonally racially and in, you know, her treatment of sex and relationships. Mm-hmm. But it's her vision that really drives this show. I mean, it it is about what it's like to grow up as a middle to upper class white woman. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no denying that. And I don't know that it feels true or is relatable to people who are not within that demographic. But if you can't relate... I think it's just really funny, and it mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's the equivalent of, like, reading someone's biography. You don't need to be able to connect with every 
moment. It's just interesting to know another person's life in this very intimate, thought-provoking way. Yeah, I mean, that's been something that I've actually been thinking about a lot is this idea of do we have to relate to a piece of art in order to like it? You know, I mean, I don't I'm not convinced that we do, because if it's if it's presented well, if it's created well and with, I don't know, intention, some kind of voice or vision, then, you know, I could like it and it could mean nothing to my it could bear no similarity to my own life. I want to talk so much more about the Patrick Wilson episode, but I don't even know if I have the words. Maybe we can ask Chris about it. 